Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mr. Classic Wrestling Podcast. And today, I have another episode of Monday Night Madness where I'm going to give my review on WCW's World War III, 1997. Uh, starting off the evening, we go into our first match on the card. It is Ernest Miller and Glacier versus the Faces of Fear. Uh, starting off the match, pretty much a fight breaks out between Miller and Glacier and the Faces of Fear. Glacier does hit a drop kick on Meng. Faces of Fear are showing great tag team work in the match. They land a devastating powerbomb on Glacier in this match, which was just brutal. Faces of Fear, like I said, are pretty much controlling the matchup. Glacier does uh, get up, hits a back suplex on Ming. Miller then hits Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart was ringside in this match. And because Jimmy Hart got uh, Miller hit Jimmy Hart, calls a distraction. Ming then applies a Tonga grip to Miller. Miller taps out, and your winners of the match are Faces of Fear. Um, this was not a bad opening match. Um, Ernest Miller... I honestly, I, I, in my honest opinion, he really wasn't a great wrestler. Uh, Glacier, Glacier wasn't bad. I mean, obviously he had that whole uh, rival going with uh, Mortis and Wrath, um, and they were and it was good matchups. It really was. I think what really killed Glacier's career in WCW is when Goldberg had arrived. Goldberg came in, kind of had that mixed martial arts background, and Goldberg in WCW was just a powerhouse, man. I mean, and as far as Goldberg now, absolutely not. But in WCW back in like 98, you know, mid-97, Goldberg was, you know, a phenomenal athlete, man. And I kind of feel like, you know, Goldberg kind of took the spotlight a little bit away from Glacier. Um, Faces of Fear, again, Mang Barbarian. Mang was an absolute monster, dude. That guy was absolutely insane. And that Tonga death grip that he had, man, it just looked absolutely brutal. Um, hats off to Faces of Fear for getting the win in this match. Um, after that match, we go into our next match on the card. It is Disco Inferno versus Saturn for the WCW Television Championship. Now, starting off the match, Saturn hits a shoulder tackle on Disco. Saturn's, Saturn's pretty much controlling the matchup. Disco then gets up, hits a lariat on Saturn. Saturn then hits a springboard clothesline on Disco, sends both of them to the outside. Disco then attacks the flock, sitting ringside. Disco then hits a netbreaker on Saturn in the middle of the ring. Saturn then gets up, applies the rings of Saturn on Disco. And your winner of the match by submission is Saturn. And still, at that time, television champion. Again, it was an okay match. And I've stated this in the past in my other podcasts. Disco Inferno was a joke. I'm sorry if you're a Disco Inferno fan. I don't know why you are. Uh, the guy was a joke. And again, I'm not trying to say, like, you know, obviously the wrestlers are there for a reason. And I've stated that. And I get that. But I also understand, too, that you have to bring in some of these guys that are a gimmick. Like a Mortis, um, Glacier. Ernest the Cat Miller, you know, so on and so forth. I understand you had to fill these slots in with some of these characters that some people may gravitate towards. Uh, Disco Inferno, I don't know how he was someone that gravitated to Disco Inferno. I thought the guy was an absolute joke, in my honest opinion. I, I really did. Uh, Saturn, again, Saturn was a good wrestler. I mean, he wasn't that bad. Obviously, coming over from ECW, I believe he was in that tag team with Cronus and ECW. Phenomenal tag team. Um, and then him joining the flock with Raven, Billy Kidman, Van Hammer, so on and so forth. So uh, hats off to Saturn for getting the win in this match and at that time retaining his WCW Television Championship. Uh, after that match, we go into our next match on the card as well. It is Ultimo Dragon versus Yuji Nagata. Um, again, this is kind of a rival match that's been going on for a couple of weeks, it seems like. Uh, starting off the match, pretty much a back-and-forth match between Dragon and Nagata. Nagata hits a uh, back suplex on Dragon. Nagata then hits a pile driver on Dragon as well. Nagata is pretty much controlling the matchup at this point. Nagata then lands devastating kicks on Dragon. 
Dragon then gets up, lands a kick combination of his own on Nagata. Dragon then hits a somersault powerbomb off the top rope on Nagata. Absolutely brutal. Dragon then hits a moonsault off the top rope on Nagata. Dragon then applies a uh, Dragon Sleeper on Nagata. Ono distracts the ref. Dragon then hits a Frankensteiner off the top rope on Nagata. Dragon then pulls a botched back suplex on Nagata. Then Nagata somehow covers Dragon in that back suplex, pins Dragon for the three, and your winner of the match is Yuji Nagata. In my honest opinion, this match was awful. And, and, and for a lot of reasons why. I know some people may disagree, but that botched back suplex, I've never seen a worse back suplex in my entire life for watching pro professional wrestling. It was brutal. And again, a big fan of Ultimo Dragon as well. I, mean, I, I thought he was a great cruiserweight, great for WCW. This was not a good showing by him whatsoever. It really wasn't. And I'm not trying to be too hard on him, you know, and, and tell everybody the match was completely trash or that he's a trash wrestler. That's not the case at all. This match itself as a whole was trash, in my honest opinion. I know it's a mid-card match, but this match was brutal, man. It, it really was, and not in the good sense either. This was just not a good match. Um, Sonny Ono, again, he wasn't a bad manager, and it seemed like – you know, back in the day, WCW was really having some kind of a working relationship with uh, Japan talent. I mean, Chono came over. He was a part of the NWO. A lot of Japan talent did work for WCW, Jushin Thunder Liger, and so on and so forth. So I do, I am happy that, you know, WCW did reach out to Japan talent and have Japan come over and have some matches with some of WCW's talent, which made for phenomenal matches. Uh, just, this just was not one of them. I thought the match was absolutely just boring, man. Just didn't do anything for me. But hats off. To Nagato for getting the win in this match. After that match, we go to our next match on the card as well. It is Dave Taylor and Steven Regal versus the Steiners for the WCW Tag Team Championships. Uh, starting about the match, Scott hits a shoulder tackle on Taylor. Scott then hits an underhook release powerbomb on Taylor in the middle of the ring. Scott then hits a belly-to-belly -belly suplex on Regal. Rick then gets involved in the match, hits a power slam on Taylor. Taylor then gets up, hits a devastating uppercut on Scott. Scott then gets up, puts Regal... On his shoulders, Rick goes to the top turnbuckle, lands the Bulldog off the top rope on Regal, pins Regal for the three, and your winners of the match, and still at that time, WCW Tag Team Champions are the Steiner Brothers. Again, not a bad match. Big fan of the Steiners. Um, and it's I've said this in the past, too. It was crazy seeing some people know him as William Regal or Steven Regal. He was a really he was a wrestler's wrestler, and he was really good at what he did. He really was. I know some people will say, oh, well, he wasn't that good. Regal is really good, and Regal knows the business. And people can say what they want about NXT right now as a whole. I've seen the product, and it, it has changed a lot since the Gargano and Ciampa days in the beginning. It has. But Regal knows talent, and Regal is the one pulling these matches together and pretty much, I, I'm, I'm assuming, the main booker for NXT, and it, it's working. You know, at least back then, it was working, and he knows talent. And Regal, it just shows you how long Regal has actually been in this business, man. So hats off to William Regal, but... Again, hats off to the Steiners in this match for getting the win and at that time retaining their WCW Tag Team Championships. Um, after that match, we can go to our next match on the card as well. It is Raven versus Scotty Riggs in a Ravens Rules match. And again, if you guys don't know what a Ravens Rule match is, it's pretty much a no disqualification, no holds, no holds barred match. Anything goes. Um, and pretty much Raven usually controls these matchups every single time he has them. Uh, but starting off the match, Riggs hits a crossbody on the outside, takes out the flock. Raven then hits Riggs with a chair shot. Riggs then hits a drop-toe hold on Raven into a chair. Brutal spot. Riggs then lands a bulldog on Raven on a chair. Raven then hits three DDTs on Riggs. The ref counts to 10, and your winner of the match is Raven. 
again, this was not a bad match. And the reason why the referee counted to 10, because yes, it was a no disqualification, no holds bar, but it was kind of like a last man standing kind of uh, match, if you will, too. Riggs couldn't get up to uh, make the, the bell count. And the referee said that, you know, the match was over. Wasn't a bad match. I will say it was a lot better than uh, the Ultimo Dragon and Nagata match, in my honest opinion. I just feel like there was a little bit more to offer um, with the Raven and Scotty Riggs match. And it really wasn't that bad. So hats off to Raven for getting the win in this match. Um, after that match, we go to our next match on the card as well. It is Alex Wright versus Steve McMichael. Uh, starting off the match, Wright quickly attacks McMichael. McMichael then hits a lariat on Wright. McMichael then hits a sidewalk slam on Wright in the middle of the ring. McMichael then hits a three-point stand on Wright in the middle of the ring. McMichael then hits a tombstone pile driver on Wright. Pins it for the three, and your winner of the match is Steve McMichael. It was a decent match. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I know some people are like, "Oh, it's Steve McMichael. He's in a, you know, McMichael wasn't that good of a wrestler, man. I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm. I would say he did better than most athletes coming over from a different type of sport into a new sport. I'll give him credit on that. But there was a lot of botches with McMichael in a lot of his matches, and he, McMichael was there for a couple of years for WCW, so it wasn't like he didn't have the time to really adjust and get used to what you know pro wrestling was. It just, it was his, a lot of his matches were just lackadaisical to me. Alex Wright, again, I mean, it wasn't like he had a big impact in WCW. I don't know what the hell Alex Wright's doing now, but um, it wasn't like he made a humongous, a humongous impact for WCW. So hats off to McMichael for getting the win in this match. Um, after that match, we went to our next match on the card as well. It is Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio Jr. for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, starting off the match, Mysterio hits an arm drag on Guerrero. Mysterio then hits a head scissors takedown on Guerrero, which was absolutely devastating. Guerrero then hits a German suplex on Mysterio in the middle of the ring. Guerrero then hits a back suplex on Mysterio. Guerrero then hits a total world backbreaker on Mysterio. Guerrero then hits a superplex off the top rope on Mysterio as well. Mysterio then gets up, hits a hurricane runner on Guerrero. Mysterio then hits a springboard splash on Guerrero to the outside. Mysterio then hits a springboard moonsault on Guerrero as well. Guerrero then gets up, hits a frog splash off the top rope on Mysterio, pins over to three, and your winner of the match, and still at that time, cruiserweight champion, is Eddie Guerrero. Phenomenal match. I, there's nothing more I can say about it. It's not me trying to be biased because I'm a big Eddie Guerrero fan. This was a good match. Now, the credit, this match was not the same match they had at Halloween Havoc because th that, that match actually was the match of the year in 97, and they tore, that, they, they tore the house down. In that match, phenomenal match, and I'm not going to sit here and say this match came really close to that, but this match was not a bad match, and this was a good rival that went on in WCW for quite a while, and it made for phenomenal matches. Like I told you guys a million, millions of times already, if you have two wrestlers in that squared circle in that ring that gel perfectly together, that know each other inside and out of that ring, it makes for a phenomenal match. And again, this is a prime example of that, man. These two just beat the hell out of one another, man. And it makes, and the fans get into it, man. And then as a fan myself, it's just a phenomenal wrestling match. It really is told a great story and a story that went on for years and years and years. So hats off to Eddie Guerrero for getting the win in this match. Um, after that match, we go to our next match on the card as well it is Ric Flair versus Kurt Henning in a no disqualification match for Henning's United States championship. Uh, starting off the match, Flair attacks Henning, Flair and Henning both fight in the crowd. Henning's pretty much controlling the matchup. Flair does hit an axe handle off the top rope on Henning. Really didn't see that coming, personally. Henning, Henning's working on the leg of Flair. Flair then hits a signature knee drop on Henning. Flair then applies a figure four on Henning in the middle of the ring. Henning then hits Flair with the belt. 
goes to the cover for Ric Flair, pins him for the three, and your winner of the match. And at that time, still WCW United States champion is Kurt Henning. Again, not a bad match. It really wasn't. It was back and forth. A lot of stuff was going on in this match. I kind of wish it was a clean finish, and then Henning didn't use the belt on Ric Flair to get the cover and get the pin for the three. But this was, again, another rival that went on in WCW that honestly wasn't that bad. And the way they were building this up was that, you know, Flair being from Minnesota, Henning being from Minnesota, I believe Flair went to the University of Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken, and Henning went to the University of Minnesota, and Minnesota had him as the, the best athlete or something like that. The way that Shivani and everybody was building this storyline up, you know, it looked like it went further than what WCW, had, you know, was at the time, that maybe they were trying to prove something to each other. So, and again, it made for a great match. And hats off to Shivani and the commentary team, man, because they were really trying to build this story uh, storyline up between uh, Flair and Henning, which made for a phenomenal match. But uh, hats off to Henning for getting the win in this match. Uh, after that match, we go into our main event of the night. It's the 60-man battle royal, three rings, 60 competitors. Again, it, the, the thing that I liked about the, the, the battle royal, the 60-man battle royal, was the three rings, man, because it was something different, and no other company out there was doing that at the time. Obviously, you had the Royal Rumble, but this was 60 competitors in three rings. And the winner of this, you know, of the match, just you know, was able to get a title shot at Starcade or down the line. And it made for great matches. And it made for, you know, there was some even the competitors that were on the show that night were still in this battle royal. So Flair and Henning, you know, they were pretty much the last match before this this battle royal, and they were in this battle royal. So they had, you know, twelve minute match and beat the hell out of one another, and here they are in this, you know, battle royal. A um, couple things I took away from this battle royal. Uh, Fake Sting, supposedly, you know, he obviously showed up. It wasn't the real Sting. Um, Fake Sting ends up hitting Giant with a bat. Giant got eliminated from the, the, the shot he took from the bat. Um, and then Fake Sting unmasked himself. Scott Hall was in the ring with the Fake Sting, and then Sting unmasked himself. It ended up being Kevin Nash. Hulk Hogan was ringside laughing. Scott Hall was laughing. And because of this happening, uh, Scott Hall ended up winning the 60-man battle royal and will later on get a title shot. But what I found out about this was that something happened with Scott Hall where he actually didn't challenge, uh, I believe it was Hogan at the time, for the WCW Heavyweight Championship. I don't think he had to, I think it was like sold out when he actually had a, uh, his chance at the Heavyweight Championship, which was actually the following year um, that he was able to challenge for the Heavyweight Championship. So that in itself was crazy that he had to wait you know, that long to get, you know, his title shot that he rightfully won. Well, not rightfully won because he did cheat, but uh, that he won in the 60-man battle royal. And again, this battle royal format that he did for this pay-per-view, it worked, man. And it went on for a long time. Like, the whole, like, the battle bowls and stuff like that, it's literally the same thing. Um, and I'm a big fan of it, man. Back in the day, in the early WCW days, man, it made for phenomenal matches, and the card was always great. It was always a good night for wrestling when they had this big battle royal with 60 competitors. So it was always awesome to see. Um, and like I do with every single one of these podcasts, you guys know by now that you swing by and check these podcasts out. I always give these shows a rating. In my honest opinion, man, I'm going to have to give WCW World War III 1997 probably a five. I just feel like the booking was very lackadaisical. Uh, some of the matches I honestly could have done without. The Ernest Miller and the Faces of Fear match, I could have done without because the, the reason why – it wasn't like, obviously, Glacier and Miller were getting a push at this time. That's evident. The Faces of Fear, in my honest opinion, should have been going up for a tag team championship. They honestly should have been. You know, I wish you would have took 
the faces of fear and have them go up against the Steiners and then Ernest Miller and Glacier versus Dave Taylor and Steven Regal. It would have made for a great, better matchup, in my honest opinion. And so that's one of the matches I could have done without. Disco Inferno, you guys already know. I don't even have to go into further detail. The Ultimo Dragon versus Yuji Nagata match. Again, it is a rival match that was going on for a few weeks back in the day in WCW. This match between Dragon and Nagata was just, to me, it was lackadaisical, man. It just wasn't there. Now, credit, they said that Dragon was hurt, that he had a couple bone chips in his arm in this match, and that, you know, he wasn't 100%. It just, the match to me was very lazy. Even on uh, Nagata's part, it was very lazy. He really, I, I didn't, the match didn't really pack a punch for me, if that makes any sense. So that's another match I could have done without. Um, and the Raven Scotty Riggs match, it was okay. It really wasn't all that great. And obviously, the Alex Wright and Steve McMichael. You're not going to get a good match out of Steve Michael. I'm sorry. So that's that's one of the main reasons why I'm giving this a five. So, but all in all, it, it was an okay show. I'm not going to say it was completely bad or the worst WCW show because as the years went on, trust me, ladies and gentlemen, the, the pay-per-views got worse. If I had to go back to the uh, the Buff Bagwell match that he had where, you know, I believe his mom was on like a uh, forklift and it just it, later on the years, WCW, it just got awful, bad, really bad. But uh, I had to give it a five. So this is my review of WCW's World War Three 1997. I hope you guys are out there staying safe. Be careful and remember, stay classic. Peace. <laughs>